May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. This week in Davos, Switzerland, 2,500 of the world's most powerful and prominent people met together at the World Economic Forum. These are leaders of countries and CEOs of global corporations, scientists, artists, celebrities. And when you look at a conference like that, um, that kind of a gathering, it's tempting to believe that that's where the action is. Those are the people who are shaping history. And, and then you kind of look at what we are, are doing as a church, or maybe just living out the Christian life, and we we're tempted sometimes maybe to think, what, what difference does what we're doing really matter? Well, the Bible gives us a perspective on that. The Bible says that the most important thing that's happening in the world today is not going to be shown on CNN or Fox News or any of the other news outlets. There's not going to be a news conference about this. But the most important thing happening in the world today is God is building his kingdom. God is at work building his kingdom in the world. That's the most significant thing that's happening. And Jesus comes at the beginning of his ministry and says, repent, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is interchangeable. Matthew uses kingdom of heaven. Other gospels use kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. The the light, as Isaiah says, the light of the kingdom of God is beginning to push out the, the, the darkness in that region, the light of the kingdom is coming. We need to get a firm grasp on what does the kingdom of God mean? Because it's so central to the heart of Jesus' ministry. This is at the very beginning of his ministry. The first words that he, he pro- proclaims here in Matthew in terms of preaching is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then as you follow Jesus' ministry throughout the gospel, he's always talking about the kingdom of God. He teaches parables about the kingdom of God, right? He starts oftentimes a parable like this. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Small, seems insignificant. And then it begins to grow. The kingdom of God is like a buried treasure that somebody stumbled upon. So Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, proclaiming the kingdom of God throughout his ministry, teaching about the kingdom of God, and then at the end of his earthly ministry, even after his resurrection, he is still teaching about the kingdom of God. This is what God is up to. Acts 1.3 tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples during a 40-day period speaking about the kingdom of God. What is, then, the kingdom of God that was so important to Jesus and should be so important to us as his followers? Here's a simple definition of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's active rule or God's active reign in the hearts of people. The kingdom of God is is not a territory so much as it is. It's it's not a realm so much as it is a, a reign, the dynamic, active power of God and rule of God in the lives of people. It's really a character revolution that Jesus is inaugurating here. God seeking to transform the character of people 
from the inside out so that they will reflect the character of His Son, Jesus Christ. We're brought into the kingdom of God by Christ the King, His work on the cross and His resurrection, and then God wants to shape us and conform us to the image of this King, Jesus. It's a character transformation. That's part of it. And we know that our hearts need to be changed, don't we? That this is one of the great needs of our time. We hear it again and again that we need people of character to take leadership. We need people of character to lead corporations or or political uh, parties and and business institutions and families because week after week it seems that we hear leaders fall because of character issues. We need to be transformed and, and laws can't do that. Laws restrain people But laws don't change people. Laws restrain, but they don't transform people. Policies are are useful and helpful in technology, but but they don't change people from the inside out. That's the work of God, changing people's lives and hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Christ is inaugurating the kingdom of God at His first coming, and then He's going to bring it to completion when He comes again. His second coming. At His second coming, Revelation 22 tells us there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So now the scope is not just about what happens to us as individuals, but God is saying there's a universal scope here to the kingdom. When He comes again, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And those who are in the kingdom now will reign with Him then. So 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says this, If we've died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. So we need to think of this life, as Russell Moore, who's a Baptist minister, wrote in Christianity Today, we need to think about our life on this earth as an internship, if you will, for our role in the coming kingdom of God. God is at work in our life, shaping us to be kingdom people, and He's preparing us to reign with Him in the new heaven and new earth. And so Russell Moore says this, Every aspect of my life, my relationships, my job, my family, my suffering, is an internship for the end times, preparing me in some way, forming my character to rule with Christ. Did you catch that? Everything that, we, everything that we're going through here, if we bring it into the light of God's kingdom has significance for us because it's shaping our character one way or the other. And we bring that character with us into the eschaton at the end of time. Of course, we're never complete here. We're still a work in progress. But God is forming us to be people who will reign with Him. And so Russell Moore goes on and says this. Listen to this. This is about dignity, the dignity of people. How can I value the corporate CEO or the celebrity pastor over the hotel maid since she, if she is in Christ, may be a future queen in God's new kingdom? Think about that. Everyone we meet who's in Christ has dignity and value. No matter what position they may have in this world, God may be training them to rule in the world to come in a very significant way. So that's the kingdom of God. It is God's reign in our life, changing our character. Preparing us for a new heaven and a new earth. That's what God is up to in our world today. What does it mean then for us to 
participate, to, to be part of this kingdom movement. Well, that's what the rest of the New Testament is all about, really. But let's just focus here on what Jesus is saying in this passage. Again, inaugurating the kingdom movement of God. There's just two words that I want us to to focus on here that Jesus says. Kind of go with the red letters. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Repent and follow me, that I might make you fishers of men. Let's talk then about repentance, because repentance is the first step into the kingdom of God. Repentance is the first step to living under the dominion, the rule, the reign of God in our life. And we all have a choice in our life, just like the song we sang, I've decided to follow Jesus. And the choice is this, the cross before me, I'm going to follow Christ the crucified one and the risen one. I'm, I'm, that's who I'm going to follow, or I'm going to follow the ways of the world. I'm going to say I'm going to follow what the world says is significant. That's the wager. That's what we're we're all in this, and and you have to decide one way or the other. Nobody gets a pass. There's no um, spiritual Geneva of Switzerland. There's no neutral territory here. The cross before me, the world behind me, or the world before me and the cross behind me. So repentance means that I have turned. It it literally in the New Testament means you turn around and you embrace what God is doing in Jesus Christ and you make God the King, the ruler, the Lord of your life. It's surrendering ourselves to God's kingdom. It's moving away from the kingdom of self into the rule and reign of God. Surrendering our agenda, aligning ourselves with what God wants to do in us beginning to value the things that God values in our life. Jesus was so challenging in His day because he, he said the kingdom of God is here, but it's not in the way that you want or the way that you expect. You need to turn around and embrace what God is doing in me. Some people thought the kingdom of God meant that they were going to be able to take up arms against the Gentile oppressors and God was going to help them overthrow Rome. That was the way of the zealot. The political zealots. That was what they meant by the coming of the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus, in his his kingdom manual, says, no, you're not supposed to slay your enemies. You're supposed to pray for your enemies. It's a different way of being a a kingdom. And then there were those, like the Pharisees, who said the kingdom is connected with purity and separating ourselves from the impure. If we can just separate ourselves and maintain our own holiness and purity away from the impure, then maybe that will prompt God's kingdom to come. Separate yourself. And Jesus says, no, that's not how the kingdom is coming. And he shows us somebody who is going to the impure, touching them, reaching out to them, having table fellowship with them. This is the kingdom of God breaking in and showing grace and mercy for those who need forgiveness so jesus challenges us to turn around and embrace what god is doing repent that's the starting point and then repentance is something we need to do all of our lives it is the race that we run until we get to heaven self-examination repentance bringing our lives before the lord and saying am i aligning myself with your values and your will and your heart where am i getting off track 
It's kind of like spiritual GPS. Regular self-examination and repentance is like spiritual GPS. GPS basically saved my marriage. Well, that's exaggeration. But it really lowered the conflict rate in our marriage. (laughs) Because there were, and Josie will witness to this, there were times early in our marriage when I would say, okay, I heard about this restaurant. I think it's on Grand in St. Louis or something like that. And I'm not sure exactly where it is. Let's get in the car and find it, you know. Before the night's over, we're in Illinois and we're eating Taco Bell, you know. But GPS is great because it tells me, you know, there's, the, there's a green path I need to follow. And when I get off, the red path is there and it tells me you're off the path. You need to turn around. You need to get realigned with where you want to go. <laughs> I tell you, it's been a great blessing. It's God's provision, GPS. But that's what self-examination and repentance is like in our life, regular. I mean, if we saturate ourselves with the Word of God, if we look to Christ in Scripture and His character, and we just bring our, our lives into the presence of Christ in prayer, and, and, and He begins to speak to us, the Holy Spirit begins to move and say, wait a second here, you're, you're, you're misaligned here, you're getting off track, your anger... Your, your lust is starting to bubble up, your pride, your desire to lord it over people to, 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 instead of serving people. You want to be a lord or master. You want more recognition. These are the things that God speaks to me about. I don't know about you, but these are... And, and it's, it's a time of realignment. It's a time of repentance and saying, you're right. Let's start over. Let's start afresh. By the grace of God, thank you for the forgiveness that I have. And I want to walk in your ways, the way of the kingdom. So repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus calls us to reach others for his kingdom. It's it's not just about us. It's never just about us. It's about ultimately God's glory and his light beginning to spread throughout this world until one day the knowledge of the glory of God will will spread throughout this world like, like the waters cover the sea. Ultimately, it's about the glory of God and God's love for people. And when we get connected to that, then we will begin to love people like Jesus did. And so Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, sees Simon and Peter, or Simon Peter and Andrew fishing, casting their nets into the sea. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he does the same with James and John. And they do. I mean, it's amazing that just think if you're in the middle of business or in the middle of your career and somebody comes and says, I want you to drop everything and join me. They did. They surrendered. There was something about Jesus, his, his authority, his power, like a king. They recognized it and they followed him. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. The more we follow Jesus, the closer we get to him the more he begins to influence our character. The more we begin to love the things he loves, and he loves people. He has compassion on people. And so we see him in the Gospels. He has compassion on the crowds. Remember that scene when he fed the the multitudes? Before that, he said he saw them coming, and they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. Compassion for people. But it wasn't just the big crowds that he had compassion on. We see him... Uh, over and over in the Gospels, interacting with people on a personal level. Think about the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, how he initiates a conversation with her. And he says, I know you're thirsty. I know what's going on in your life, and I can give you water 
If you have this water, you'll never thirst again. I can satisfy your deep spiritual hunger and need. And he interacts with people on a personal level. Some people that, people that other people would just kind of pass by or shun. Jesus had compassion on individuals. He had compassion on the crowd. He cared about their physical well-being. And he certainly cared about people's eternal destiny. And as we follow Jesus, he makes us fishers of men. And that compassion for other people begins to bubble up. And then what we have to do is, is act on that compassion. God wants us to reach out to others. God wants us to notice people, take an interest in them, and show them the love of Christ. Let me share with you a story. It's a story from the book, The Salt Shaker, or Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World, by Rebecca Manley Pippert. And she shares this story. Her husband was at a meeting that involved working on a large building project. Sounds kind of familiar, building project. They hired a successful architect from another company or another city, and her husband had never met this architect. He had a reputation, uh, but he had never met him. So in the course of this meeting, the, the architect, this kind of famous architect, mentioned that he and his wife go to church. And so Rebecca's husband, his name was, it was Dick, he, he asked, how did you get interested in, in the faith? What prompted that? And this man said, well, years ago when I lived in Chicago, my, um, my wife drug me to church, kind of kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go to church. I said, okay, one time we'll go to church, but don't expect me to ever come back again. Just not interested. And so he says, reluctantly, I went, and surprisingly, the sermon was pretty decent, pretty good. And, but the real impact came when afterwards a distinguished older gentleman came up to me and began to express interest in my life. What am I doing? What's my business? And then he asked me over to his house for lunch. And he says, it was clear that he was a very successful businessman, but what struck me was his vital love for Jesus Christ. He was a successful man. He was an impressive man. But at the heart of who he was was his love for Christ. And that came through in his home. So just seeing his kindness, he goes on and says, just seeing his kindness and faith in Christ made me want to go back to church. We ended up joining and going every Sunday. And uh, this man's name was Dick Evenhouse. Well, when he said that, Rebecca's husband looked up astonished. Who did you say that was? Dick Evenhouse? Yeah, that's my grandfather. Can you believe it? And the guy said, well, your grandfather had a profound spiritual impact on my life. And he said, well, he had even more profound impact on my life. But that's the kind of person he was. It started over lunch. It started with somebody being interested in him, sharing his life and the good news of Jesus Christ. When we follow Jesus, we begin to get interested in people. We want them to come into the kingdom and the kingdom begins to grow. The light begins to spread over the darkness. Christ calls us to this. Now, by the world's standards, a lot of what we do just doesn't make sense. It looks like a, a waste of time coming together, praying, worshiping, reading from Scripture, witnessing. Paul said in our passage today that the message of the cross is foolishness to the world, but to those who are perishing, it's the power of God for salvation. What we're doing is not insignificant. No, it's the most really, according to the Bible, the most important thing that God is up to in the world is he's building his kingdom. 
And we can become kingdom people. We are called to be kingdom people. And we're called to share his kingdom. As we repent, as we reach out, his kingdom grows in us and through us. And that's what we're called to do. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to be kingdom people. And that we would persevere in following you. And if we haven't come to a place of repentance, admitting that we haven't been following your will, that we've been living for self, for sin, I pray that you will draw us to the cross where you paid for our sin to be forgiven. I pray that you'll keep us near Christ and the cross because our hearts are prone to wander. Call us to a life of joy fueled by love for you and what you've done for us. And help us to reach others with this message. In Jesus' name, amen.